Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All right. So last week we talked about being baptized to life. And this week we're moving on to the Holy Spirit. So I'm super excited about this because being led by the Spirit is one of the greatest things that we get as believers. I don't know why any church wouldn't want to be led by the Spirit, but it's God's way of having a direct relationship with us. We are told that the Old Testament is the schoolmaster that taught us sin and taught us how to live for God and what God wanted from us in our life. But when the old schoolmaster was put away when Christ died, right? Everybody understands that concept? Trav? Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, you understand like the Old Testament was the schoolmaster that taught us how to live for God. When Christ died, that was put away. So when the schoolmaster was put away, there was something else that God promised that he'd send us instead. So he gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, we know, is is Jesus told us would testify about him. Me and Trav talked about this earlier. It was powerful. God was preparing me for this Bible study. But uh, we were told that the Holy Ghost testifies about Jesus Christ. So what the disciples got to see in real life, what the disciples got to see in real life, they got to see Jesus and how he dealt with people and how he got to talk to certain groups and how he handled different situations. Well, we don't get to see that because Christ is in heaven, right? Christ gives us the Holy Spirit instead. So he gives us the Holy Spirit instead so that we can see an example of how Christ deals with stuff in our life. So when we're dealing with certain things in our life, we don't get an example of Christ in our life. We have the Holy Spirit that testifies about what Jesus would do in our life. So we have that same example that the disciples have. That's why we're disciples with Christ. We get to be like the disciples by having the Holy Spirit in our lives as a form of Christ that shows us what perfection is. Now, the Old Testament showed us what perfection was, but nobody could obtain that, right? So when we see the Old Testament laws, nobody was able to fulfill all the Old Testament laws. But we still got to see the example of what perfection was in the Old Testament. 
Well, in the New Testament living, we have the same thing. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us as a testament to perfection in our life. Now, this is where it gets really tricky because when we see perfection, we start wanting to mimic it. And we're not able to just like we weren't able to in the Old Testament. We weren't able to live perfectly according to the law. We wanted to, but we weren't able to. But it still is there as the example of what perfection should look like. So in our lives, we have the same thing with the Holy Ghost inside of us. So the Holy Ghost is going to always show us the example of perfection. That doesn't mean when we don't hit it, we should be living in condemnation. Because condemnation comes from sin. And shall we continue in sin? God forbid. He's not talking about do we continue in the flesh because we're always stuck in the flesh. What he's saying is we don't continue in the effects of sin. We don't continue in condemnation and holding on to that sin. We nail our sin to the cross and we leave it there. Exactly. His mercies are refreshed daily. Very good. We nail it to the cross and we leave it there. When you don't nail it to the cross and you hold on to it, you're, you're not giving it mercy. You're not putting mercy over that sin. You've got the sin. Now you're holding on to it and you're starting to receive condemnation because of it. At this point, you're under God's grace because he's not going to leave you. That's why he had mercy and grace. Mercy will eradicate your sin. Grace will cover you while you're in sin until you get to that point. Now, we don't understand how great and powerful God's grace really is, but me and Trevor were talking about it. You guys think there was 5,000 years before God gave mercy. His grace was still powerful. The people who died in their sin in the Old Testament, Christ's grace was able to rip them out of the grave and restore them to righteousness. So how much more can God's grace cover us while we're still alive? And we're in sin. That's how powerful God's grace is. But the Bible says for us, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Because we're not the Old Testament. We're not under the law. We have mercy. So we don't continue in this sin and just let grace keep covering us. We nail it to the cross. We cover it in mercy. We pick ourselves back up and we keep going. That's what David did as an example of mercy before there even was mercy. David committed adultery and committed murder. Immediately the priest came to him and said, you're the man, you did it. He said, okay, I repent. As soon as he said, I repent, the priest said, you're forgiven. David got up, changed his clothes, sat back on the throne and kept leading the people of Israel. And that was before he had mercy. He didn't have mercy like we had. He didn't apply the blood on the cross. He didn't have Christ up in the throne room putting blood on the mercy seat for us. He didn't have any of that. But he understood the promise that God put in his life of what was to come. So David, the man after God's own heart, could understand that God could break the rules, cover your sin, and still use you and still make you worth that is what mercy is all about. Mercy is about that because we're walking through our walk of life. We're doing great. We're moving up in Christ. And then we mess up and we fall. And grace covers us the whole time. We're in that position. 
Mercy puts us back to where we are. But this period in between of how long before we put it in mercy, we're covered in grace. And we can continue in that grace. God's grace is there. But God forbid. We put it under mercy. We pick ourselves back up. We understand how great mercy is too. Because just as powerful as grace is that keeps you from falling, mercy is just as powerful to wipe away and let God forget what you've done. He literally does that on purpose. He chooses. The God of everything, who would remember everything, decides to forget what you did because of what his son did. The minute you have faith that he's able to forgive you. Now, if you don't think he's able to forgive you, then without faith, it's dead. So if you're you're like, oh, God can't forgive me for that. He's just not big enough. He's not strong enough. You're not living under the mercy, but you've got grace. God's going to cover you in grace because you're still his child. Yep. And at some point, he'll wake you up, let you realize how great his mercy is and restore you back where he wants you. But it takes faith. That's why faith is such a key ingredient. You have to believe. You have to believe in order to be saved. And being saved is understanding God's mercy and grace. So if we don't have faith in that, we're not going to believe in it. But we got a little bit off track, I guess. <laughs> Let's get back to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the promise of everything that we've we've done in Christ through repentance and baptism. So we've been talking a lot about John chapter three, and we've read a lot about this in John chapter three when we covered the story with Jesus and Nicodemus. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him, you can't enter the kingdom unless you've been born again. But you had to be born again of water and of spirit. It wasn't just the water. It wasn't repentance and baptism alone. But repentance and baptism is what allows us into the company of God, which is what God's been wanting since day one. And it allows us to be filled with his spirit again and to be able to walk in his spirit. So repentance and baptism is like the gateway. And I know it's something that's ongoing. I'm glad I covered that. But it allows us that access into God's kingdom and allows us to be filled with the spirit so that we can be led by the spirit. Puts us right back in the garden again. Puts us right back in the garden with the king in the cool of the evening walking with us. That's exactly where we want to be. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is literally the schoolmaster coming inside of us and helping us to live a holy and just life. Now, if I'm helping my kid do something and I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna work on the car today. If he doesn't do it right, I'm not gonna be like, all right, you're done. Get out of here. You're done. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show him. How we do it right. Now he might it might take him a while to get this down. That's fine. But I'm not going to put a bad example in front of him. I'm going to continue to put the good example in front of him. And so many times in our life, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing for us. And we're taking that as the Holy Spirit showing us how bad we are. My son will do that sometimes. 
I'll be showing him how to do something, and he'll take that as me showing him that he's not smart enough to do this. And I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm exampling perfection before you so that eventually you can be perfect like me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. It's not showing you what you should be doing so that way you know how bad you are. That's not God's point. God's point is not to show you how bad you are. God is not the accuser of man. That's a title that was given to Satan. Satan's the accuser of man. He's the one that wants to point out how bad you are. God doesn't want to point out how bad you are. He wants to help make you better. He wants to grow you into a better person. He's going to help you do things a little bit easier. But he's not there just to show you how bad you are. It's the same thing. Like at my, my job this week, I got like a big like $3 raise. It's a big raise. Like most companies, you're lucky if you can get a dollar. But it was God who showed me how to achieve that. The Bible says that God gives us the ways to create wealth. He gives us wisdom to create wealth. It's him that shows us how we can achieve these things in our life. He showed me, Daniel, if you if you show up late every day at work, they're not going to hook you up. Now, that's not a law if I, that I've got to follow in my life, but that's the Holy Spirit's showing me what's the best way. Be loving. Be happy. Help people out. One of the biggest reasons why I am where I am is because I've, God's put a desire to help people. When I'm at work, I walk around there trying to help everybody do their job better. And the boss is starting to notice that. But that wasn't just me coming up with a good idea. That was the Holy Spirit inside of me showing me if you live this way, you're going to have a better life. So the Holy Spirit is there as a teacher and a guide to help us in our lives. So let's read what Christ says about the Holy Spirit in John 14. We've, we've covered this one quite a bit, too. We've talked about the Father's in me and I'm in you. We've talked about the oneness of God. So we're understanding that it is the Spirit of Christ that's in us as the Holy Spirit. They're not three. Man, you see why it's important to believe in the oneness of God? If you think that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate people, then you don't understand the fact that the very God who died for your sins is also inside of you. The very person who lived a sin-free, perfect life is inside of you. It's not just some other random spirit. It's actually God. It's Jesus Christ wrapped in flesh, now a spirit living inside of us. That's the example. That's why Christ goes through that here in, in chapter 14. He wanted us to understand, guys, I'm not sending you back just any random spirit. I'm actually going to come and live inside you. I'm going away, but soon I'm coming back. It's going to testify about me. It's going to help you. Just like my disciples got to walk with me for three and a half years and let me teach them all my ways. I told them, you guys, wait, I'm coming back to you. Now we walk with him on a daily basis. God was only able to travel. Well, he traveled more, but he only had 12 core disciples in his group. God said, I want you to go and make the entire world my disciples. The only way you can do that is for God to literally send his spirit to walk with every individual person so that every individual person has that one on one relationship with Christ. We're literally under his leadership. We are his disciples in the flesh. John's not the beloved anymore. I am. I'm the love disciple. I'm the one that Jesus loves. 
and you are, and we are. He comes to us individually. John got to sit down at the table and put his head on his shoulder. We get to do the same thing. I get to go home at night and spend time with Jesus, just me and him. He's my my savior, and I'm his disciple, personally. So let's read this. John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. So first things first, Christ is like, you got to listen to me. You have to obey my commandments. When I was here on earth, when Christ was walking around, people were, Christ was like, hey, we're not going to do that. I wouldn't want to be the person that was like, nah, Jesus, cut it out. Come on. Like, no, we took it seriously. This is a guy who just healed people and raised the dead. If, if Jesus walked in this room today and was like, hey, Dan, go buy a lottery ticket. I don't think my car could move fast enough. Right. He's got he knows what's going on. He's the king of kings. He understands everything. So from the beginning, he's like, obey my commands. When he walked with the disciples, they obeyed him. We're to do the same thing with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, it's not not because if we don't obey him, he's going to come down and smash us with a hammer and teach us lessons. No, because when we obey him, we get the blessings. There were several times that the disciples didn't get what Jesus was talking about. Several times. There's going to be several times in our walk with God that we're not going to get what he's talking about. He's He's too much for us to understand. That's why he doesn't even want us to try and understand. Every time we do, he gets frustrated. Like, don't worry about understanding. Just obey. Just do it. I'll take care of the understanding part, and I'll give you revelation. You've got to be willing to walk with me and do what I'm asking you to do. Because that's true obedience. So he says, obey my commandments and I will ask my father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit that leads into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is what leads us to all truth, to all understanding. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So you the word is definitely confirming everything I just said. He's like, I'm with you now. I'm showing you as an example. But later, I'm going to actually be inside of you, leading you as an example. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones... Who love me. And I love them. And reveal myself to each of them. And Judas asked. Lord are you not going to reveal yourself. To the world at large. And Jesus replied. All who love me. Will do what I say. My father will love them. And I will come and make my home in each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me. Will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you comes from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, see, this is representative. It represents Christ in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. 
And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back again. If you really love me, you would be happy. I'm going to my father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they will happen, you will believe. Man, that's good. I will be in you as a representative, as an example to lead and guide you, to walk with you, to approve of you, to give you a guarantee that you're going to be with me forever in heaven and I'm never going to leave you. I don't care what anybody says in this world. That's a hard argument to argue with. People talk about falling from grace. That's a hard argument to argue with. I will never leave you. I will put my Holy Spirit in you and nothing can take that out of you. Pastor was talking about Hebrews chapter 6 where it talks about it is impossible to return someone to the faith once they have fallen. It would be like crucifying Christ all over again. I've been told by people that that scripture means that you can leave the church and you can never come back. When I was just reading it, the pastor was talking about it and I was listening to him teach about it, the Holy Ghost was talking to me. Is that what it means? Or does it mean you can never leave? It's impossible to return someone to the faith. It would be like crucifying Christ all over again. And we already know you can't do that because it was once and for all. So he's saying it's impossible to fall beyond God's grace. Now, people say, oh, does that mean once saved, always saved? No, it doesn't mean once saved, always saved. God's responsibility is taking care of sin. That's never been my responsibility. It's never going to be my responsibility. I'm never going to have the charge over that. No matter how much the Jews wanted it when the law was in place, they couldn't achieve that. And no matter what now, I can't achieve that. So it's not my responsibility to save myself. And I don't ever have to worry about that. I can't take myself out of salvation. I can't put myself in salvation. I can't do that. That's up to God. The only thing I can do is love and obey God's word. And he will save me. He'll save me. All I have to do is love and obey what he tells me to do. And I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. But I'm going to love him. That's going to be number one in my heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's number one. Everything else is God's responsibility. God's going to take care of it. I know his grace is good enough. I know his mercy is good enough. I have faith in those things. I'm going to produce the fruit in my life. I'm going to be loving and peaceful and joyful. I'm going to touch people's lives. I'm going to help people become disciples of him. And I'm never going to stop believing. The rest, Christ is, Christ is God. Christ is God. It's impossible to be restored once you fall in love. So basically, baptizing the Spirit and solidifying your connection with the Spirit. And then through the Spirit, He's going because He says, I will never leave you. That Spirit, once you make that connection to baptism, is kind of tricky. You can't control it. So it's never going to leave. And so I, I agree with you with that, that it's. You can never leave the church because now I'm 
always going to be church. I'm always going to be with you. Right. I'm always going to do this. You made that concrete connection with me. Just like if you plug your laptop into the Wi-Fi router to the hard connection, that connection is a direct And so then, right. Yeah, we become adopted. We're adopted to him as a child. Now, if I adopt the child, the child doesn't get to choose not to be under my adoption no more. I'm the authority figure. God's the authority figure. If he adopts me, the only way this is getting broken is if he lets me out. He has to decide, you know what? I'm done with you. You're no longer my child. But that's not how my God is. My God's not that way. I don't care how much the devil lies. And if he can get us to believe that, he can take away our faith. He's a thief and a robber. But I don't care how much he lies to me. That's not my God's character in this book. That's not his character. His character is a God who brings people back. Even even in the Bible, it says Christ came not to judge. He still is a judge. He has never come. He's never. He hasn't turned the corner into judgment yet. When he does, the whole world's going to know when God decides to flip the switch and step into judgment mode. The seals in heaven are going to break and judgment is going to be dumped on this earth. He's literally going to have to pull his church off the earth because we wouldn't survive it. That's what the Bible says. We won't survive it. When he decides to judge the earth, his judgments unlike anything we've ever seen. We think about the judgment on the plagues that came in Egypt, the darkness, the frogs, the light, the fleas, the death of their firstborn, all their cattle died, all lightning, darkness, all of this was the plagues of Egypt. That was a small glimpse of God's judgment. That was God's small judgment on one little nation, let alone when he dumps his judgment on the entire world. Whole different story. That's why I have to believe in the rapture. I can't believe that God's going to flip the switch on judgment and then leave all of his people in the middle of his judgment. Like that, that literally does away with mercy and grace, guys. In order for God to be able to do that, he has to remove his mercy and grace from the earth in order to drop judgment. It wouldn't make sense for God to judge people who he calls righteous. I'm righteous in Christ. I'm covered in, it said, Pastor read it yesterday in scripture, it says, it's like putting on Christ. It's like putting him on like a coat. That way when he looks, all he sees is Christ. So if I'm wearing this covering, there's no way God's going to dump judgment on the earth while I'm in it. Because he would literally be judging his own son who was perfect and died for nothing. So he has to pull his son out of that world before he can dump his judgment onto the earth. And I think, yeah. No. No. Now, yeah, here we go. Good point. There's no condemnation to those who. No. Yes. No. And we're about. Trans. I don't even got to read the scripture now. Trans quoted it for us. That's that's good. That's it. That's it. No condemnation. You guys know. Yeah. Uh, no, I just. I was getting there and I was just going to hold it. I got in this place in my head and I started thinking, what separates me from this world? And I've gone horrible things in my life. You know what I mean? I, I sit here like, it's like the meter is in front of my like, Who am I to say anything to anybody about how to be good? 
I'm not even good. I've done nothing good and I just kept thinking, man, I felt so rotten. It was like the closer we could doubt, you start to realize how filthy you are. You know what I mean? You're like, and I can't even get rid of some of this stuff. It's just like any yeah, God, God is in me, so the only thing that separates you from this world is Jesus. That's it. You, you don't separate yourself from this world. The only thing that separates us from this world is Jesus. That's it. Man. No, I have found right now, man. That's so powerful, Dre. It's it. the truth, no, guys. He says he did that so no man can boast. So yep. It's not you. So that's why you can't be so gracious because at the end of the day, you're like, you can't be separated from the world. And that's, Jesus. and that's why our prayers are so important. Because we see in our life the Holy Ghost. Jesus comes along as an example and he goes, hey, guess what? I wouldn't have anger like that in my life. And we go, oh, God, I don't want this anger in my life. And we start praying and the prayers actuate in life what God's desires were. Our prayer, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayers usher onto earth what should be. If we don't see the things in our life that need to change, we're not going to call out to God and we can't fix it. So we have an example. We see it. Oh, I got to get that fixed. Then we try to fix it. We fail. Then we finally, unless we unless we can cut that part out, we finally go. All right, Jesus, I can't fix this. You got to fix it. And then he goes, OK, that's what that's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. Boom. Uh, so check this out. So we were talking about Paul uh, earlier. We were talking about even when you come to Christ, there, there's still somebody, everybody's going to have a form in their sight. Even after you come to Christ, it's not all going to be, you're not going to be completely figured out until we need this earth. We got our new body. This is perfect. So. That's why it's a thorn in the flesh. We need a new body. Yep. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. Uh, you know, and it's very suspicious, but you got Jesus really up, make you better, man. You're only going to be so much better. You'll only get to a certain point in this life that you can't get past because we're in a curse. Right. Now, the only thing that separates us from the curse of That's right. Now, to talk about what you referenced, do you re did you know that there's going to be two judgments in heaven? All right, this is a concept that we we can study into, and I, I will I'll will, we'll talk more about it, and we'll, we'll study into it big time. But there is the original white throne judgment, where God is going to punish everyone who has sinned. He's going to point out their sins, and they're going to be held accountable for those sins. That is not where I'm going to be. I'm not going to that judgment because I don't have any sin. Because Christ already delivered me and forgave me of all my sins. So I'm not going to be at that judgment. But the Bible says there's another judgment called the bereavement. Now, I, I just, I just, I had it the whole time Trav was talking. And now I lost it. The Brema, Brema seat judgment. I just lost it. I'm going to have to look it up and talk to you more. But it's called, it's in the Bible, it's in Revelations, where it talks about the believers will be held to this judgment. And this is a different form of judgment. This is not a judgment of your sin. This is where God tests your good works. It says everything that you've done for God, because we ain't got no sin. He's covered that part of it. But he's going to take everything that we did for him, our whole life's work, and he's going to pass it through the fire. And what survives will come out the other side as pure gold. 
all the stuff in our life that we've done that wasn't was worthless and pointless will be consumed in the fire. And that's where the Bible talks about storing up your treasures in heaven. And that's where these things are. That's what it's all talking about is the bereavement judgment. Bema, Bema. I knew I was like right there. And I said, I was thinking it the whole time he was talking. But then I wanted, I wanted people in my podcast to have something to laugh about. So there you go again. Bema see judgment. So we, we can look into that. We'll dive into that a little bit later because that's good. The thing is to think about how you give those notes to God. You walk in the spirit. You You know, if you look at it, God's so awesome. He's so smart. Like, how many of us as parents, like, if I had it my way, I'd never have to discipline my kid again. Like, I don't want to discipline my kid. If if I could be the greatest parent ever, all I would do is just sit back and reward my kid every time he did something good. Hey, you did it again, boy. Here you go. Keep going. Keep going. That's how our God is. He's like, I'm good. I'm determined to be that way. I'm not going to think about judgment. I'm not going to think about that. I'm a, I got the seed of forgetfulness. I'm going to throw all your sins in there. I'm not even worried about judgment. Judgment will come. And it'll take care of itself. Matter of fact, I will send Michael. Michael, you go take care of that. I'm too busy partying with my people. I'm too busy at the banquet with my children. I'm not worrying about that stuff no more. I'm a God of love. The Bema Seat Judgment. All right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's so good. Yes. Because there's not going to be any bad in heaven. There's only going to be good. So it's like going through a scanner when we get to the doors of heaven. That's just going to melt out all the bad, but we can still take in the gold with us. All this good stuff's going to come in with me. My wife's going to walk through with me. My family's going to walk through with me. I'm going to see the people I love. They're going to be refined in the furnace. The bad parts about them are going to fall away. You know, the wife, she's not going to nag at me in heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to wake up and be grouchy in heaven. We're all going to be better in heaven because we're going to be refined through the furnace. We're going to come out the other side of your goal. They are. It's going to be perfect the way God wanted it originally. With no flaws. So, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Where we're going to read about living in the spirit. So now, he starts right off the bat. So now, did you guys read Romans 7? Uh, Not yet. You still got to. It's so good. I should have read it today. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the point either. <laughs> it's just so good. You're going to see that when you read it. But we're gonna, when we keep skipping it. Like we keep skipping right over it. But Romans 8 is so good. So he starts it right off with, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. 
So he's right off the bat. He's like, first and foremost, if you've gotten to this point, because he's talking about the spirit. He's like, okay, if you guys have gotten down repentance and you've gotten down baptism, you know what it's like to acknowledge sin and know that you need Christ. You've been baptized into his image. Now you've got him on your side, right? Now, there's no more condemnation. Let's put all that away. Put that crap away. We're done. God's got you. And guess what? If you mess up, you got the recipe. You know how to fix it. You know how to fix it. His mercy is great. You confess your sins. He's able to wash it away. I got to have faith in that, believe in that, and move forward. So there's no more condemnation. We're going to put that behind us. And because you belong to him... The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So that power that leads now. Oh, wow. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He didn't say that we're free from sin. We're never going to have to sin. He said we're free from the power of the sin. Now, the Holy Ghost will eliminate sin in your life. So I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost doesn't have that power. God has power over sin. But the power of the sin in our life is broken. So that means if I mess up and I'm covered in grace, the effects of that sin cannot affect my life. Death is an effect of sin. Condemnation is an effect of sin. Neither one of those are allowed to affect your life because you've already received mercy and grace. So you can pretend that you're in this effect. You can pretend that sin's going to take you out. But in all reality, after you've understood repentance and baptism, the power of sin has been broken. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So the power of sin was never able to, I mean, the law was never able to save us. So it says here, because of our weak weakness and our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in a body like our bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, we couldn't get control of our sin. So God gave his son as a sacrifice for that sin. He did this. So that the just requirement for the law would be fully satisfied for us. Who no longer follow our simple nature, but instead follow the spirit. So we shouldn't be living by anything other than the spirit. That's what should belong in us in our lives. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about what pleases the Spirit. We're not worried about the sinful things no more. We're worried about the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting your sinful nature control your mind. He specifically brings up your mind for a reason. We have to let our spirit control our mind. If we let our sinful nature control our mind, it's going to tell us we're not safe, we're not good enough, bring condemnation, bring death, bring the things of sin into our life. 
Allowing the spirit to control our mind says, no, none of that's true. God's faith is sufficient. That's what controls our mind. For the sinful nature is, now listen to this. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Wow. We're trying to save our, our bodies a lot. And it's not about saving our bodies. It's about saving our soul. Your body is never going to serve God. Never going to. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you had the spirit of God living inside you. And remember, those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. That's the difference. Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're adopted as God's child. He's put himself inside of you and he's not going away. Believe me, I've tried. Unfortunately, I've tried. I've ran far. I ran far to see how far I could go and get that and it never left. I, I, mom would tell me, I wake up and call her, man, last night I got so drunk, I did all this bad stuff, mom, but I went home and I spoke in tongues and I prayed through. It's still in me, mom, it hasn't left. It hasn't gone away. I wasn't really being led by it, but it was there and it was helping me all the way and thank God for his grace. And unfortunately, I lost a bunch of years of my life that I could have been doing great things for him. But God is so great that he has a way of restoring us back. And Christ lives within you. So even though your bodies will die because of sin, the spirit gives life because you have been made right with God. Now, I'm going to talk about that for a second. He says, even though your bodies will die because of your sin. Your spirit will live the life. Now, how many times are we wanting to stop things in our life because we know that that sin is going to destroy our bodies? How many times do we want to stop sin in our life because we know that it's going to destroy our bodies? But here it says, no matter what, sin is going to destroy your body. God's understanding of that. Oh, I smoked for 10 years, man. I destroyed my temple. It's going to be destroyed. God's like, guess what? If you didn't smoke for 10 years, your body's still going to die to sin. It's never going to be. It's always was designed to die. Once to die, then to face judgment. It was always going to happen. But when we believe, it's not about this body. It's about my spirit. My sin, my body's going to sin. My body's going to have sin in it. It's going to die to it. But my spirit belongs to God. And I'm never going to lose faith that my spirit, not my body, my spirit will be saved. <laughs> the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Now, what does he mean there? By the same spirit living inside us, God will give life to our mortal bodies. What he's saying is, if you live by the spirit, you will receive life. 
If you don't drink as much because the Holy Spirit tells you you shouldn't do that, you're going to live longer. If you quit smoking cigarettes because the Holy Spirit tells you it, you're going to live longer. Now, you shouldn't beat yourself up because guess what? Even if you quit smoking cigarettes, you're still going to die. But the Holy Spirit will give you better life. It will give you life more abundantly. And that's exactly that's what Christ wants. That's the whole point of it. It's not to condemn us to show us how bad it is. It's always to help us do better. It's always to get us back into a better position. He wants you to have life more abundantly. He doesn't want to. Oh, listen to this, guys. He doesn't want to punish you because you're dying. He doesn't want to punish you because you're dying. He wants you to have more life. It's not about punishing you for dying. Death is the punishment. Every sin that you commit on this earth, you're going to pay for. On this earth, he was preserving your next life. You're going to pay for your sins on earth. So he's not going to beat you up for that on top of it. You're already reaping the benefits of your sin. What he's going to do is preserve you, help you, and teach you how to get more life. The punishment's already there. If you drink too much, guess what? Your kidney's going to go. You're going to die. Penalty's already there. God doesn't have to come down and spank you. It's like if my son's running through the house and I tell my son, hey, stop running. And he doesn't listen to me. And then he runs right into the wall and busts his head open. Guess what? I don't have to punish him now. He already got punished. He learned the lesson. So why do I have to punish him? So you know what I get to do? Oh, that's a good one, guys. That's God right there. I get to be like God. And I get to come over and put my arm around him and say, hey, son, if you don't run through the house at 90 miles an hour, you're not going to bust your head into the wall. That's what God does for us. He didn't want to have to punish us every time we fell. So he put punishments in life. He put the punishment of death is the it's already there. The punishment of sin is death. It's not God. It's death. Death's going to happen no matter what. So he came to give us life to show us how to get around that benefit of sin. He showed us how to break it. Alright. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. So listen, he's telling you here now, just because you understand this concept doesn't mean you can go out and just send all you want. He's like, I'm showing you. Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're free. If Christ shows you today, you don't have to drink no more. You don't have to drink no more. You're free from it. You're not stuck in it. You don't have a choice. You have a choice. And God's showing you. You have it. For if you live by its decrees, you will die. It's already got its punishment. If you live by what you're doing in your life, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. When the Holy Spirit shows you what's going on in your life, and you start praying to get those things right, the power of the Holy Ghost will help you live. For all who are led. Now listen to this. So all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the Spirit 
Here we go. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not a slave to Christianity. That's not how it works. You're a child. I'm not having to do it. Now, now I suck. I got to serve God. God, you got to show me. You got to lead me. You got to teach me. No, it's not that way. You're my son. If I brought somebody into my house and let them live there, they'd have to cut my grass. They'd have to work for me. They'd have to do things to earn their keys. My kids don't have to. They're my sons. They already own everything I have. They're heirs. I don't like, yeah, they should listen to me and obey me, but they're, they're already in my freedom. That's where we are. He has adopted you as his own children. Now we call Abba, Father. That's like Poppy, Daddy. That's like, that is an intense form. It's not just my Father, our Lord in heaven. No, it is a free, you can nickname him. He's your King, Kings. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He, we're personal. I know him. We have that relationship. For his spirit joins with our spirit and affirms that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also have to share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation... Not just human beings. The entire world has been waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. You guys realize that, right? The whole world is subject to the curse. Plants die because of the curse. Animals die because of the curse. Nothing died before the curse. Before sin, there was no death. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as with pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit in us as a future taste of the glory. For we long for our bodies to be released. From sin and suffering, we too wait with an eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. The new bodies he's promised us are not riddled in sin. That's what we're waiting for. We can't save this flesh. I can't get this flesh out. The only thing I can believe is that I have a soul and God has saved my soul and promised me a new body that will never sin. Just like his body. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already had it, we wouldn't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. Wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be expressed in words. And again, it'll show us examples that we pray for. God, I've got to get my anger under control. I can see right now you wouldn't act this way. And I'm your child and I'm in your image and I'm acting this way. So I need you to answer this prayer. The Holy Spirit shows us what we need to pray for. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows that the Spirit knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according for his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that the son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing before him. And having given them right standing... He gave them his glory. That's powerful, guys. So here we go. We're going to conclude right here, guys. So what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Guys, when we really get this concept, what can we say about these wonderful things? What wonderful? Now, Trey, me and we were talking. He was like, huh? how can you be lost? How can people not get saved? And me and Pastor were talking about it. It's hard. Jesus said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Come to me. It's easy. I will give you life. Not as hard as we make it out to be. So who, who, who can be saved? Everyone. How hard is it to be lost? Pretty hard. You got to not believe. So, right. And when we realize that, when we realize that, what do we say about these wonderful things? What do we say when we finally figured that out? This is what we say. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he has not spared even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen as his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God gave us right standing. When the Gentiles got the Holy Ghost, Peter said, who could tell you? Who could tell them they can't be baptized? God just approved of them. For Christ Jesus died for us all and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? After all that. Does it mean we no longer love us if we have trouble or calamity? Does it mean God no longer loves us if we have stuff going on in our life? If we're persecuted, hungry, or desolate, or in danger, or threatened with death, if we have sin, death is a punishment of sin. Does that mean he no longer loves us? As the scriptures say, for my sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us because of his love for us is why we have that victory. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Representatives in our lives. 
that love is revealed through the Holy Spirit, which is the representative of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's what shows that we are God's children. We're under his protection and nothing can ever separate us from that. I love this Bible. I love teaching it. I love learning it. I love seeing it. And next week, we're going to dig into the gifts of the spirit. And we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit. And we're going to talk about what all comes with the Holy Spirit. So today we've seen what it is. We've seen what it does in our life, how it is Christ. It's our schoolmaster. It teaches us. It helps us grow. It doesn't cause condemnation. As a matter of fact, it promises us that there will be no condemnation. The fact that you have a Holy Spirit inside you showing you sin is a promise that God hasn't forgotten who you are and his mercy and grace is still at work. That's why it's there. So when we feel that unction of the Holy Spirit showing us things that are wrong in our life, we should take that as a promise that God is making us better and he's going to give us new life. Amen. So I'm going to stop there. Next week, we're going to next week, we're going to talk about the gifts and the fruit. And we're going to move through that. And until next time, God bless you.